When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Our host for the episode today is Paul. And today's episode is very interesting. Blockchain. Everything you wanted to know about it. Paul, our host for today, is an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Northeastern University and University of California at Berkeley. He is a successful entrepreneur and has sold three companies and taken a company public. He is the CEO of Startup Strategies, where he works with startups in their go-to-market strategies and with large companies on their innovation initiatives. Over to Paul. Welcome, everyone. Um, welcome to another edition of Global Biz- Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, we've been thinking a lot uh, in the global world. Uh, one of the most important topics these days is blockchain. And obviously, there is a lot of confusion around what it is and what opportunities it creates. So we thought, why don't we bring some experts in this area and talk about that today? Uh, so I'm pleased to welcome uh, Jordan Woods and uh, Radhika Enger, who are uh, in uh, who are founding partners of Starchain Ventures, and they are an advisory firm in the blockchain area. Um, combined experience of 35 plus years and a lot of exits uh, to their credit, and you know they've been speakers at Google, Stanford, TEDx, and authors of various books. So that's uh, the experts in this area. So please welcome uh, Jordan and Radhika. Welcome. That intro, Paul. Really glad that we can um, we can be here speaking with you today. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast, and uh, we're looking forward to your great questions. Yeah, so, you know, um, before we go anywhere, I mean, I think there, there are obviously a lot of confusions and lack of understanding of what the blockchain is. So maybe uh, you guys can uh, help clarify that first as to, you know, what is the blockchain technology and why is that so important? Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe I'll just start yeah, out with uh, just a very quick uh, semi-technical intro. So uh, blockchain is really um, it's kind of a, a, a database. Uh, so if you're familiar with databases, it's a way to store data. And the special thing about it is it's called a distributed ledger technology or what's called a DLT. Um, and so it's a little bit different than your normal database where there's just like one place where you put your data. The idea with the distributed ledger is you actually have multiple places that you put your data. Um, the other very important thing about it is that with a blockchain, which is a specific kind of DLT, you have transactions that are placed into what's called a block. And so that's a set of transactions that are in a block. And what makes a blockchain special is that you can only add to the block. You can't change or delete, which means that the transactions 
are immutable. Um, and that's mm. a very important word for blockchain, which means that those transactions are always going to be what they are when they're written. And when you write the transactions, you use a process called consensus, which means it's not just one group or one party that's writing, but it's a group that is writing the transactions and they all agree that those transactions that are being placed into that block are correct. So um, this means that there is, um, you know, a lot of eyes looking at it. And then every transaction is timestamped. So that makes it, you know, something that's very clear when it happened. And then it's digitally signed. So you're digitally signing it so you know exactly who did it when they did it, so you have an audit trail for every transaction. And the, um, the different transactions that, that are placed into this block, uh, that becomes a block uh, that's added to a chain. And so why is it a chain? It's a chain because the prior block, you take all the transactions in that prior block and you, you do what's uh, called, you hash them and you create a special number or code that is unique, and you add that to the current block. So it chains your current block to the preceding block. So if you yeah. try to put a different blockchain together, you can tell that it's not the correct one because the previous block will have a different hash. So you're saying, um uh, that any transaction that you do here is, uh, first of all, it's uh, written almost permanently with a timestamp, and there is an audit trail of everything. Yeah. And nobody else, therefore, by themselves, can change a transaction on their own. Right. Yes. And if they try, yeah. well, number one, it's a, it's a one-way operation of writing. So even if you get a group of people... Right you can't unwrite something, you can't delete something. Actually, that's the, the approach with current blockchains. That might change, but currently, the way blockchains are, are made as a rule is that you cannot delete content, you cannot change data. Doesn't matter if you have consensus, you write, it's immutable, and then you have the full audit trail, and then it's linked to the previous block, and the previous block is, is linked prior block, and so you have this immutable chain of events. But you can never change it, uh, even, if, even if there is an agreement on changing it, and you, know, you are able to still you know, create an audit trail that it was changed. So I, I think can, you bring up a good point. Yes. I mean, if you made a genuine mistake, for example, and you say, whoops, I have the wrong record here, this is, this is a very different record, I'd like to change it you're not changing the original record it's almost like amending it right and so mm -hmm. you're saying here's a new record that documents that the previous record had a mistake and that this is the now the new updated information and then you know by consensus everybody has to validate that and say yes we all agree this is the actual uh, value of that record or etc and this is the actual record and so now you can amend it if you will well, what Radhika is talking about is based on what's called the governance model yes. for the blockchain. So every different community that builds a blockchain will have a governance model. 
most communities today say that the blockchain is immutable and you can't change it. There are a few cases, like for example, if you're looking at public blockchains, the Ethereum... Um, okay, okay, before we go there. Yeah. So, uh, because I, I, I think uh, we should probably not assume that people know what a public and private blockchain is. But before we go there, I, I want to get some more clarification because a lot of people, you know, when you talk about blockchain, they think of Bitcoin. And I know that these two are different things. So can you elaborate a little bit more? That's, that's the important thing. Yeah, right? so, so Bitcoin is like an, uh, an application right. of blockchain. So it's this approach to being able to have uh, electronic money. And so that's an application of the blockchain technology. It's based on it. So the transactions in Bitcoin are stored in a blockchain. Correct. And the important thing about Bitcoin was that it was the first uh, use of something that we now call a blockchain. Correct. So it's very important that there was Bitcoin because Bitcoin used the underlying new blockchain technology and it was the first application of it but it isn't the only application if you think back it's very analogous to the internet right the internet is a technology um people use it ubiquitously and synonymously with applications which is actually not true because it's the underlying technology and there are multiple applications which use that technology and so blockchain is the actual technology Cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, is an application of that technology. Yes. So are you, are you saying that in some sense, the whole TCPIP protocol and all the things that make up the web to work right and the HTTP is kind of all contained in the blockchain technology? And then somebody has built an application. One application is the Bitcoin. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. analogous. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just like you can say, well, there's email, right? right? And some people in the early web days <laughs> said that, well, the internet is email. Right? And, and, and that's, that's not right. Is, right? <laughs> and so there was this confusion that email was internet. No. But email is just one application. Correct. And it was the ability to send messages. Bitcoin is the ability to send and receive money. Email was the ability to send and receive messages. And so... You know, it's, there's that analogy in terms of that single application. It's just that because it was the first, just like email was one of the first that was popular, you get this confusion. Right. But you can really build anything with the Internet, and with blockchain, you can also build have an underlying ledger exactly. of transactions. And it's a, you know, build a protocol that just, you know, describes how, different parties interact together. Blockchain has a number of different capabilities be beyond storage. Right. So um, something that's very important is something called a smart contract. Right. And so a smart contract is the ability to have a, uh, an agreement in how the transactions are carried out. Mm -hmm. And it is prescriptive in terms of certain conditions have to be met before that transaction can, takes, can take place. So this is, in a way, uh, a programmable way uh, mm -hmm. to program automatically how transactions can take place, and it can lead to automation of a lot of different processes. 
One thing I think, you know, might be helpful to your listenership um, is, you know, why blockchain, really? If you think about the why, uh, what kinds of things um, have prompted this to become so important and compelling? I think that from a purpose standpoint, if we look at the Internet again, and if you look at TCPIP as a protocol, it was a communication protocol. So the, the intent of TCPIP and of the Internet was to foster direct communication. Um, you know, there were packets of information that were sent and received and they were encrypted along the way. So it was, the whole intent was to communicate. And we've certainly enjoyed all of the benefits of that open communication with that protocol. With blockchain, the purpose of this is really, if you think about it, from the largest purpose, it's to establish a single source of truth. And that might seem like this really lofty idea, but if you think about all of the issues we have with this current state in the internet, we've all enjoyed that open communication, and what are some of the downsides? You have fake things, there's lack of trust, there's cybercrime, there's fraud. So there's many issues that we're seeing as the fallout, mm-hmm. if you will. The flip side of that open communication is lack of authenticity, lack of trust, lack of transparency. And so these are issues that blockchain as a technology is created to solve those very same problems. So the idea behind blockchain is to have something which has a single source of truth, which means that it fosters a whole visibility into what data is. It's transparent. It's mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. suppress and mitigate the, the kind of fraud and cybercrime and hacking and fake things that we have going on today. And okay. That really has a lot to do uh, with... So we'll, uh, we'll return in, uh, uh, after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. the market's up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network 
This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Um, we were we were talking today with uh, Jordan and Radhika. Um, who are experts in blockchain technology. And we got um, some interesting uh, description of what that technology really is. And, um, you know, in it's an immutable uh, blockchain, i.e. every event cannot be erased and every event has an audit trail already built in. And they were arguing that this is as big as, the internet was. And uh, so in this part of the section, I'm going to have them talk a little bit about what are the use cases? What are the applications of the technology? Uh, You know, technology seems great. And only thing people think of is uh, Bitcoin, but I'm sure that's just a tip of the iceberg. So welcome. Um, So uh, all yours. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, the, the use cases actually that we're seeing, um, which is not unlike, again, in back to internet days, is that enterprises leading the way. Um, we have a, a real uh, burgeoning of many different use cases, and there's some uh, important sectors that blockchain is already gaining traction and adoption in, and so we'll concentrate on the four big ones, I would say, and Jordan will take two and I'll take two. Um, but we're seeing use cases in the fintech area, in supply chain logistics, in healthcare, and also in clean energy. Um, so uh, if you'd like, we can start with fintech. Uh, Jordan, did you want to start with fintech and then I can jump in with supply chain? Sure. <laughs> so if we take a look at... Um, you know, we were talking about blockchain and Bitcoin. The the underlying, if we go back to the internet, with the internet, the idea with TCPIP was sending messages, and there really wasn't any sense of security, right? You're just, I'm sending a message to someone, and they're sending messages to me or someone else. So security is not built in. With When you're sending money, which was the original case with Bitcoin, you do need to have very high levels of security. And so one of the very important aspects in terms of this uh, single source of truth is that you have very strong security. And like we talked about, you can't erase transactions and there's this full audit trail. And then a group of people are making sure that those transactions are correct before they're committed to the ledger. So what this does is it creates, again, a very good foundation for uh, finance, uh, because finance, you have to have a lot of trust. Now, the, the underlying concept behind blockchain is that it's a decentralized uh, infrastructure rather than being centralized like a bank, uh, but it can still be used by a, a bank or someone in the finance sector because there are a lot of uh, intermediaries in most types of transactions that you find in financial services, many, many different intermediaries. So the idea is you can provide to an enterprise a return on investment initially by disintermediating. So something that was very popular with the internet is you 
uh, provide a single source of truth. So now you don't need a trusted intermediary. You can replace that trusted intermediary with the ledger. And so, so this reduces costs. So, so uh, let, me, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Uh, yeah. So are you saying, okay, you know, today when, you know, let's say I want to transfer money between U.S. and some, you know, my relatives in India. Yes. So the transaction is going to go through my bank. From my bank, it goes through some exchange. Then it goes to another bank in India or some exchange. From there, it gets transferred to the bank of the person who I'm sending money to. Mm -hmm. And so this is like a long, you know, transaction where there are like five or six or seven people involved before the transaction gets completed. Correct. And you're saying that with blockchain, I could actually almost get to a peer-to-peer transaction model. Exactly. Which is trustworthy. So that's the idea is you can have nearly peer-to-peer. The pure play is you send something directly to your family member, right? But if you're going the enterprise way, you will go through a bank, that bank will work directly with the other bank, and then your relative will will get that payment. But the idea is, is you make that transaction happen at the same speed as email, and at very low cost, like you also have with email. So one of the primary use cases is cross-border transactions. And so rather than taking two or three days or a week, and costing 25 or $50 or even more, like with remittances, you can make these transactions a fraction of a cent, and they can happen instantaneously. So, so that's a very good use case for, for FinTech. So let, let, let me just uh, talk about a few use cases, and you tell me if they make sense or not, right? Mm-hmm. So ACH is one use case, which is very domestic within the U.S., where I can send, you know, money between any two entities on a business basis for, you know, relatively cheap. Yes. And if I want to have the money go, not the three-day thing that the ACH does, but I want it transferred today, I have to go on a wire, which is, you know, anywhere from 25 to $30. Yes. And then there is the transaction, which is always global in nature, i.e. I'm sending it outside the U.S. to another country or vice versa. And where obviously multiple entities are involved. And even if I'm not doing a wire transfer, I still have to pay a huge transaction fee. And if I'm doing wire transfer, I need to pay even more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't even go right there and then. So, mm-hmm. so tell me in all of these use cases, is blockchain a good answer for all of them or one of them or what is Yeah, it? I mean, it, again, it's going to depend on cost and time. Yeah. So, if the time is longer than instantaneous and the cost is more than a few fractions of a penny, then it can make sense. The, the more important thing, though, to consider in all of these is that the single source of truth is very important, in, and that actually creates a change in the way uh, banks work together. So usually banks have to have a trusted intermediary, um, could be the government, could be a central bank, uh, can go through, and that's why it's slow and it's costly. The, the difference that you have when you use blockchain is actually competitors, like competing banks, actually need to share information with each other. And this is going to be a recurring theme in all these mm-hmm. use cases that yeah. we're going to talk about. One of the most complicated things about blockchain when it comes to the enterprise is that competitors or competitive groups 
actually need to share information. Now they can do this in a trusted way and they can also uh, share, but they can, you know, make transactions private. They can cut back the amount of information that they share, but they're still nevertheless sharing. In today's economy, um, what's called reconciliation is a very expensive mm -hmm. and uh, it's what leads to a lot of this time-consuming nature. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with the fact that competing banks don't want to share directly with each other information. And so they have to, like you said, go through a clearinghouse, some kind of an exchange, which compares what each side is saying, and then there's some kind of reconciliation process. Everybody deals with this. Everyone just sees this as business as normal, and so it's built in. But what happens is it makes the process slow, cumbersome, and expensive. And with blockchain, all those reconciliation costs basically collapse. But in order to get adoption, and this is what everybody, this is why it's taking years, is competitors need to learn to work together and share information directly with each other. I think but, that's a recurring theme through all of the use cases that we will discuss. Um, you know, if uh, if you if you'd like, we can talk about supply chain and logistics because that's another instance of. Uh, how important it is to have a single source of truth. So I, I think, um, so before going there, I, I just want to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, some of the confusion that people have. Uh, so maybe you can clarify that for us. Um, so are you saying that therefore now banks will make less money because they're using uh, blockchain because ultimately as an end consumer, I'll pay less to transfer my money? Um, certain banks will make less money. There's a lot of banks that they don't actually get most of those fees. Those fees actually go to the intermediaries. They do. <laughs> and so they actually will be able to provide, so the majority of banks will be able to provide better service and they will be able to make money uh, from the fee, the, the, the actual peer-to-peer -peer interaction, which they don't really right now. They have very low margins. So mm -hmm. they would actually have higher margins and they have a more competitive offering and so that's why it's attractive to certain banks, actually the majority of them out there. But the most powerful banks would lose money. And so that's why there isn't necessarily instantaneous adoption. And so you're exactly right. There are certain banks that will lose potentially huge amounts of money if this technology is adopted. I think on the flip side, you know, when you, when you introduce a new technology, um, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of resistance because with the incumbents because it will change the way business mm -hmm. is conducted. And I think the, the, that's the key thought here because, if again, if you think back to the advent of the Internet and, and advent of web, um, there was a different way of conducting business. The things could not continue in the same way that brick and mortar had been conducting business uh, for traditionally, you know, for, for uh, eons, right? And so I think that it was learning what the new models are and what, you know, this new way of doing business, which is, as one of our friends uh, who's a blockchain strategist at uh, FedEx tries to call, is uh, coopetition because it's a new way of thinking about something. You know, when, when again, in e-commerce, uh, when that came about, it was a very, very new model. It was doing business online. What does that mean? You know, you didn't have to go to a store. You didn't have to purchase that in the store. It replaced a certain manner of doing business. 
but did and of course those revenues might have gone down initially but what we found was that there were new avenues and new ways of doing things and so with the advent of this technology we also see that there are some brand new business models coming up there's new ways of looking at things and so the, the benefits that are derived will far outweigh some of the big thorny issues that exist in mm -hmm. many different sectors. And so from a business standpoint, you might see that it's a great competitive advantage for banks to offer this service to their clientele because clientele are going to say, well, gosh, this is a new way of doing things. Why would I want to go into an old way to a bank that doesn't want to change and be with the times, right? And so, so um, I, think um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break. We'll be back uh, in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Um, we are here with uh, Jordan and Radhika today talking about blockchain technology. And in the last uh, part before the break, uh, we were discussing how the whole banking system uh, 
the whole fintech industry is going to get disrupted uh, by the blockchain technology. Uh, so before we go off from talking about this technology, I'd like to ask them since they deal with a lot of startup opportunities and since uh, we are focusing on entrepreneurship this uh, episode. So what are the opportunities for startups in, in the fintech area or is there no opportunity for them because it's the big boys game? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. Um, one thing I just would like to add based on what Radhika was talking on the last segment is that there are opportunities to reduce costs yes. and then there are opportunities uh, to have different business models. So there can be some disruption because existing business models you know, collapse because they don't make sense maybe in a blockchain model. Um, but there can be new business models that come about that actually, you know, these incumbents can make a lot of money on that they couldn't make money on now. And so we, we don't have time to get into those. But I just wanted to uh, put that as a foundation because that also comes into how startups can get involved. And startups can get involved in the fintech space, for example, in terms of providing platforms. Uh, we had talked about this reconciliation area, for example, as something that can reduce costs significantly. And so when you say that, uh, how significant are these costs? Well, these costs in the financial services sector could run billions of dollars per company per year, right, that they have to deal with in terms of reconciliation. Um, and I won't get into the details necessarily why, but those are the numbers. So mm -hmm. if you would look into the details, you would see that there's billions of dollars of costs. And so if a bank can become more efficient, it can deliver the same service or even better service, but maybe it doesn't know how to do it itself. But this mm -hmm. is an opportunity for a startup. Mm -hmm. A startup can come in, say, hey, we've studied this issue. We know how to do this. Here's a platform. It's going to cost a certain amount. It will save you a certain amount of money. There's mm -hmm. other opportunities where you could have new business models. So a new business model might be, for example, something that's very uh, popular right now in terms of consortia, and consortia are groups of, for example, banks working together, is trade finance. And what is trade finance? Well, trade finance has to do with supply chains, and in these supply chains, you have a lot of small companies that are making widgets or, you know, different products. And sometimes they get a big order, and they can't fulfill the order, for, you know, because it's more than all the money that they might have and they mm -hmm. have to go and purchase, you know, certain components and parts and they just don't have enough money. So it's good for them, but now they need some finance. The, the problem is, is that in these supply chains, you can have a lot of players that nobody knows who they are and they can be in different countries. But if you have their respective banks as part of a uh, consortium, those banks can vouch for the companies mm -hmm. And now they can actually interact together as competitors, you know, mm -hmm. potentially, but also now they're not competing, they're cooperating. And now you can generate a lot of business. And how important is this? Well, about 50% of, you know, companies in supply chains that are small, mid-size, that go out for loans are rejected. Mm -hmm. And it's believed that there's around $9 trillion that's locked in supply chains, meaning that it's, the product could move you could have the order take place, but you know the small companies can't get financing. So it's a multi-trillion-dollar opportunity, and so, so now with blockchain, it can actually happen. So you know, uh, I think Radhika was talking about the other use case of uh, you know in the supply side 
it yeah. segues very nicely actually yes. um, so I but, was going uh, to come back to you about like what what are the different things from the you know supply side logistics sure. these areas that what opportunities are being created in this market uh, sure. No, there's a, there's some really great opportunities in supply chain and, and, and logistics. And again, if you think about what we were talking about pr- previously with fintech, and you're saying, okay, there's many different people involved in a process. So actually, anytime you have perhaps maybe three or more intermediary steps involved in something, there's probably a good business case there for blockchain. So as you know, in supply chain and logistics, Uh, They're very complex. They're very large. There are hundreds of vendors and suppliers sometimes along a chain. There are different waypoints along a logistics chain. And each and every transfer point is an opportunity for data that can be uh, manipulated. Indeed, that's where we see a lot of fraud happening in supply chains and logistics. Um, I will give the example, two, a couple of different examples from a consumer standpoint where your audience might be interested in knowing how this can be applied. Um, take, for example, fake goods. Uh, we all buy things online, um, yeah. and it's a question of trust. We might buy things on Amazon. We might buy things maybe on eBay. Maybe we buy things direct through uh, a retailer. But typically when we go to these large uh, platforms like an Amazon or an eBay and many different people are selling their goods on that platform, how do you establish authenticity of a product? Mm-hmm. You, it's trust. You say, well, it's a leap of faith. Now, I trust that Amazon as a platform is going to have only trustworthy people dealing with things on their platform. Now, you and I know that that's not yes, exactly that's true. The intent yeah. is there. They try to clamp down on, on fraud, but they can't eliminate it because there is no really good way to establish the authenticity, the veracity of a product. And so this is where we're seeing a huge amount of opportunity in terms of establishing authenticity, provenance, or origin of a product. Um, there's also something called lineage, that can be mm-hmm. applied to that product so you know exactly what the point of origin was, where it went along the way, and then into the hands of the consumer. So take, for example, uh, branded um, goods. Um, you know, a brand that's out there makes its money because it has a powerful brand. So if you are a, a major brand, a retail brand that's out there and you want to protect your brand and make sure that pirated copies of that brand are not proliferating on the online e-commerce platforms. This is something that's huge uh, as far as uh, loss of of money, but also loss of trust and loss of brand confidence, if you will. So if I am coach and I'm worried about my brand, then um, I should drop blockchain. And if I am Amazon and I want to make sure that I don't get, you know, clobbered with all the uh, negative publicity yep. on, uh, you know, selling fake exactly. goods that you don't want to. Exactly. A good way so, to give you that benefit. Exactly. And you're absolutely right about that, Paul. So, I mean, think about, again, with the, with the idea of consortiums that, that Jordan brought up, uh, for example, in the fintech area, this is, again, the same sort of model in the uh, supply chain and logistics area. So LVMH, for example, 
um, is part of a large consortium that is establishing um, you know, that trust factor around their product, saying we're securing it with blockchain because we want to make sure that all of the uh, goods that we have out there that have our brand on it uh, come from authentic sources and we're not uh, you know, distributing uh, or endorsing pirated material that's out there or, you know, there's all these shadow factories that produce fake stuff, right? Fake handbags, fake whatever. Same thing exists, uh, you know, so there's a many different companies that participate in these supply chain and logistics consortiums to ensure the authenticity of something. The other thing is, is provenance is, is uh, that's really important too. So take, um, take another aspect, and this has, a, a, it, it touches, I think, a really great impact uh, story. But think about, uh, there's a whole topic on ethical supply chains. So mm -hmm. as you know, uh, some of the products, some of the components that go into our electronic devices, like smartphones, for example, uh, depend on cobalt, my, you know, as a mineral, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so the unfortunate thing is that the quarries that are mining cobalt um, employ uh, child labor practices. And this is not something that we as a society want to endorse, right? We don't want mm -hmm. to continue, uh, you know, doing business with mining companies that don't follow uh, standard procedures. The OECD is, is clamping down on this. And so there are standards that we all have to uphold. But how do you establish that, that authenticity? How do you know that the cobalt that you're sourcing for those products is really coming from ethically sourced mines or mm -hmm. you know, mines that you're practicing that, right? ethical practices? So how do you how do you ensure that a particular mine is not putting right. information Absolutely. I mean, is dependent on you, right? To put the No, right not really. I mean, this is where the beauty of blockchain in combination with IoT, for example, comes in. So blockchain as the technology itself is that trust layer, right? On, on data, right? We, we want to establish trust on that data. We want to make sure that the data that's in the blockchain is that single source of truth that everybody has access to. It's a transparent uh, chain so people on the supply chain and logistics chains for example that have their data on that can prove that they did the right thing but in terms of tagging something physical goods for example we might be using IOTs or sensors you know to mm -hmm. to establish tagging the lots that go from one point to another and this comes about for example take another really great impact story there is a whole this kind of bleeds over into the healthcare area but um, there are many things, for example, along the, uh, that have been uh, proven that there's counterfeit drugs. Yeah. Uh, the whole issue of counterfeit drugs globally is $200 billion worth. And so it's not a small business. There's a lot of people making money the bad way. And meanwhile, people are dying. Uh, the World Health Organization has called the whole issue of uh, counterfeit drugs a global crisis. We need to solve this problem. There are people's health mm -hmm. that, is, mm -hmm. that is at risk. It's a consumer safety issue. Um, and indeed, we see, for example, in Africa, there's a huge incidence of counterfeit drugs in uh, for treating malaria. We, can solve um, so problem. we have now the pharmaceutical companies getting involved because they want to make sure that A, that fake drugs with their brand, of again, mm -hmm. are not being distributed, but then on the other hand, they are also interested in making sure that the drugs that are actually getting to the people who need it the most are the authentic drugs that are actually going to solve and, and cure the illness or, or be a... Be the, be the solution to what that disease is rather than saying that we are out of uh, time for this segment so we'll be back in a few minutes
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. We are here with uh, Jordan Woods and Radhika Inger uh, talking about blockchain. And as you saw in the last session, they're very passionate about the whole concept of blockchain and its effect on humanity and things it is changing. In fact, I'm just thinking that maybe we should do another podcast since we don't have enough time to cover everything uh, in this podcast. Uh, But at least uh, for completeness, I'm going to um, ask them first to describe a couple of other applications of blockchain. the blockchain first, and then we will talk about some startup opportunities in each of these areas and what have they seen. So first, uh, I know we talked about the fintech and the financial technology area, and then we talked about supply chain issues, and then you mentioned energy and a few other things. So I'm going to let you drive us to talk a little bit about those applications um, and see where we go. Great. Um, I guess I'll segue again in, from where we left off in, in uh, supply chain and talking about the many different use cases. And the other great use case for, for, uh, in the supply chain, but it also leads into health and wellness, is uh, that of food safety. Um, as we all know, when we read the news, there, every day there's some scare on some uh, food contamination that's going on. Uh, there's recalls of food. Uh, this is a huge issue uh, from a uh, consumer safety, but also health uh, risks. And uh, certainly one of the issues with that is that every time we have one of these scares, 
it's literally a hundred million dollars plus in terms of the actual direct costs uh, that that vendors and suppliers incur um, in in lost product, if you will, and lost revenues. But then there's also the health cost, and so you've, if you've got people that are hospital hospitalized or or, or are ill, um, obviously there's a health risk and a health cost to that. And typically the answer with legacy systems has been pull all the product out, right? Because they don't really know, they can't pinpoint in a very fast amount of time where that contamination took place and pinpoint the farm or the distributor or wherever uh, that, that had the incidence of contamination. And so the answer is to pull everything off the shelves. And this is where the, the costs get, get uh, spiraled. So, um, you know, in the food safety area, what's, what's really cool, and this is where startups can actually make a big difference, is the combination of different technologies, not just blockchain, but using IoT sensors, again, as well as AI. Mm -hmm. And so the nexus of, say, blockchain and AI and IoT has been really powerful in things like food safety or counterfeit drugs, for example, um, in ensuring that every step along the way, uh, temperature control, environmental factors are being recorded on uh, these IoT devices. There's AI that's looking at the trending and analytics of everything. And so this is a huge opportunity from a technology play for startups to get involved. And we know several great startups that are in this space uh, solving very various issues with food safety or provenance of, of food. Um, and that's, a, that's a, a consumer interest as well because we as consumers want to be sure that the food that we're eating and that we're buying mm -hmm. is safe. Um, well, and think, uh, um, there's a guarantee around that. So I was talking to an entrepreneur this morning. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, you know uh, he's part of the Berkeley system where I teach and uh, one of the questions that we were debating is because they're building a blockchain platform and obviously platform has wider uh, applications and he's like you know we're trying to decide which vertical should we go first at where our chances are better considering we're coming in later into the market and uh, fintech is a little crowded um, so how would you advise an entrepreneur like that what would you tell him well, there's really, I mean, I think starting with, again, typical entrepreneur advice. Start with the problem you're trying to solve. There's so many great problems that can be solved with the use of blockchain technology. As we mentioned, um, the purpose of blockchain is this building this transparency, right? The single source of truth. And anytime you've got fake anything, you can't prove the authenticity of something, uh, you can't prove the origin of something. Uh, there is a manipulation of data that is going on. These are all great areas that you can dive into, and there's many different sectors as we've been talking about. So in the supply chain and logistics area, for example, and in, in cold chains, that could be a really exciting area if you have the resident expertise on a team that says, well, we've got these great engineers that have blockchain, but they also have AI and IoT experience. The nexus of those three technologies could present some exciting opportunities. Yeah, and I would just add that um, in enterprise specifically, it's very helpful if you have domain experience. Yes. So, for example, if you understand supply chain, maybe from a healthcare standpoint, then that would be a great place to go because you know a lot of the different players and you understand the different problems. And so really, 
Um, and then, you know, another use case could be in clean energy, right? If you're interested in doing peer-to-peer -peer energy trading, for example, or, you know, the authenticity of renewable energy credits, um, because there are, like with everything else, there are fake renewable energy credits. <laughs> so, you know, how do you ensure that they're actually authentic? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of different sectors. So if the person knows about, you know, it's coming from health or it's coming from clean energy or it's coming from, you know, enterprise systems, or maybe they're from finance, or maybe they're in government. There's a lot of different sectors, and if they have that prior experience, then they can work with, you know, the, the different enterprises. The, what you saw in 2017 was a lot of different startups that formed that were trying to disrupt everything, and it was very much about this peer-to-peer -peer consumer kind of application, and so you didn't really need any sector-specific expertise because you would just say well this is really just for consumers um, but when you come to enterprise to be credible is very important to have at least some exposure mm -hmm. to to the problems mm -hmm. and therefore you know it's easier to sell to the people um, so, in the space or at least have advisors on the team as well you know and I think that you know classic entrepreneur team building right if you don't mm -hmm. have if you're a, a fresh Berkeley grad you know, you're not going to have this big domain experience kind of background, but you might be getting other members on the team, for example, that are more seasoned in enterprise that, that are come onto the, coming onto the team, or mm -hmm. you might have advisors to the team that have that resident domain knowledge that can guide the entrepreneurial mm -hmm. team. So it's no different from any other uh, entrepreneurial venture where you really ought to think about the kind of experience that you can leverage uh, mm -hmm. from a domain standpoint and certainly when it comes to regulated industries like fintech or like healthcare it is imperative that you have that resident knowledge because technology is only one half of the battle right you really have Absolutely. to know how to navigate the landscape mm -hmm. how to navigate the system how to work with uh, all your you know your customers your partners I mean you need to understand the selling process you need to understand what the pain points are so these are very classic entrepreneurial so, um, issues regardless so I think you are you hit on the right point Radhika and uh, Jordan that you know this is a technology uh, but technology that by itself doesn't solve a problem you got to find the problem you're going to solve and then fit the technology into the solution as opposed to the other way around and you know we know almost out of time uh, but you know I think it looks like this I, I wanted to ask you some very hard questions but we don't have time for it maybe we should do another podcast at some point in time and um, so um, I just want to take this moment and thank both of you Jordan uh, Woods and uh, Radhika Iyengar you guys have been you know you're really passionate about this topic for sure uh, I think you made some clarification for our audience in terms of the opportunities uh, so really appreciate that. And I think uh, obviously you are believers of uh, the technology for solving a lot of enterprise uh, problems. And uh, I believe that too. But again, one has to look at the problem and then fit the solution as rather than just saying, I know blockchain, therefore I should solve this problem. So thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, thanks. Great. Uh, can we make a shameless plug at the very end? You got one second. Um, we'd like to encourage everybody to stay tuned. Uh, we are going to be launching our book on enterprise blockchain uh, with any luck by next month. And so uh, they might find that of great interest. Thank you. You 
You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.